0: Well, if you've journeyed with us through Lent, through 40 days of fasting, it's been a really beautiful journey. It's been a journey that's invited us to let the Spirit of God go to the depths of who we are, to show us light and darkness, even within ourselves. And if you're with us in the Maundy Thursday service, best service of the year, I'll say it again, you got to come next year. Maundy Thursday, it was this light and the darkness, the setting of the table for the first time a reminder that we all have a place here, the table that Christ sets for us. Good Friday, somber, an acknowledgement and recognition that Jesus was murdered by the very religious authorities that he sought to enlighten and to move us past from. And so in the middle of this journey to the cross, Jesus, with his friends, with his disciples, creates these beautiful moments of joy and peace. Something struck me as I was sitting in the Good Friday service uh, two days ago. I want to put this scripture up on, on the screen. This is the account of, of how they handled uh, the death of Jesus after this, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave him leave. So he came and took away his body. Nicodemus also, who had first come to him by night, came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 100 pounds of weight. They took the body of Jesus and bound it in linen cloths with the spices as is the burial custom of the Jews. Something just hit me about that. The one that had been their inspiration, who they had seen heal sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, who had provided space for the lost, for the left behind, for every person to be a part of this community, the kingdom of heaven on the earth the one who represented peace and life to them. They wrapped his body and they said goodbye. With what care? It was the end of the story. Peace. (laughs) Yep. You know the prayer. You know the prayer if you're a parent. Peace. (laughs) Deep sleep speaking of that, I am in the middle of all this, you know, kind of talk about the cross and, and loss and seeing that the loss that the disciples and the friends of Jesus experienced, I've got my kids who are excited about the Easter Bunny. It's kind of been a weird, like, you know, dichotomy to live in. and um, And I, you know, come home and my two-year-old daughter she's got her Easter dress on she's practicing she's twirling she has her Easter shoes which are also her Christmas shoes or really any special occasion and she shows them to me and we twirl around and um, it hit me like you know I I never thought I would have a daughter um, I come from all boys in my family my brother all boys my dad all boys so when we were told we're having a daughter I was like there's no way <laughs> that does not happen and here she came, and I was just kind of like, I don't know what to do with you. <laughs> Turns out you kind of do the same thing. Um, but it's, it's woken up. It's woken something in me that I didn't know I had. And um, I'm not the stylish person. I don't really wake up excited about combing my hair or doing all these things <laughs> you're supposed to do. Um, I'm lucky if I brush my teeth. I do brush my teeth, just so you know. Just so you know, I do brush my teeth. But I found myself at night, I'll say, I'll I'll put Liza to bed. I take her with me and I close the door and I put on her beauty cream that her grandmother indoctrinated her into this practice of beauty cream. It's just (laughs) lotion. But she says, beauty cream, beauty cream. So I put on her beauty cream. And I get the mats out of her hair from running around with her brothers all day. She's got you know she's so I'm like combing her hair, and then we dance a little bit, and then we read a book. And my favorite thing is I I put her on my lap and I look her in the eye and I say, You are so beautiful. I love you. And she, you cream, no no no. (laughs) You're beautiful. I love you. And I do it in the hope that in the midst of this world and how cruel it can be and how mean people can be to each other and how we all forget who we are along the way at some point, that somehow she would remember that. And I hope that if things get hard and She forgets her story. She forgets who she is. I can look at her in the eye and still say, you're beautiful. This is the truth. And you're loved. Right? I was thinking about Mary Magdalene. This woman who was in all probability a sex worker. Who was estranged from her family. And the day she met Jesus... He cast out seven demons from her. And she was tormented. And we don't know what that is. It could have been anxiety or depression or loneliness. We don't know. The scripture isn't clear about what they're talking about, but he healed her. The first day they met, he looked at her and he told her the truth of who she was You're beautiful. You're loved. And it changed her life. And she followed him the rest of her days. She was number one devotee to the kingdom of God on the earth. She knew what it felt like to be left behind. She knew what it felt like to be discarded, to be judged. And she started to build a kingdom along with Jesus that every person was valued and seen she was called into resurrection. That's what resurrection looks like in our world. It means that the hearts and minds and souls and realities of humans are resurrected out of the dark and into the light, that we start living as we're created to be. We see each other and we see creation and we see God as God, creation, and humanity truly are beautiful and loved. Jesus even said it like this uh, to another Mary, And to another Martha, he said, if you put that up there. This is after he healed their their brother. Jesus began going around from one city to another. Uh, Nope, that's that's when he met Mary Magdalene. Anyway, don't worry about it. Um, He said this. He said after he raised Lazarus from the dead, he said, I am the resurrection. I am the resurrection and the life. There we go. If you know me, you know resurrection. And that's what they experienced. The disciples, the friends, Mary Magdalene, every person who came into contact with Jesus while he was walking on the earth experienced resurrection because he embodied it. Are you with me? He embodied resurrection. He was the walking embodiment of resurrected life. And everyone who came into contact with him felt it. They were resurrected from darkness to light. Except... The ones who clung to power, except the ones who would rather oppress and be free, the religious authorities who ended up murdering him on the cross. But at the cross, Mary Magdalene was there. She never left his side. She was so caught up into the reality of resurrection. Where else, in the words of Peter, can she go? Jesus' life. And she watched as everything that she had been called into, everything that she had come to believe about herself and God and humanity died. And they wrapped him in a linen cloth and buried him. It's not just the death of a friend. It's the death of Everything that you believe in. Are you with me on that? I'm sure there was a fear in her. Will I be tormented again? Will I be cast aside again? What what will become of me without Jesus, my protector? The one who's formed this community. And so she goes to the grave. In the Jewish mind, it it was believed that the spirit of a person would would stay with the body for three days after death. And so she was going to attend to the body of Christ, the body of her God. That's why she was walking out to the tomb in the early morning when it was dark. So you can imagine the distress and the sadness when she discovers that that the great has been robbed. She can't give that one last act of devotion to her king. So she goes back and she gets Peter and John. And they have a race. (laughs) Typical. It's like, my my sons, like, just so you know, we did both run, but I was first. I'm not going to name my name, (laughs) but I was first. Peter was second. So they're all kind of caught up in that <laughs> distraction from grief. They have their own experience with the empty grave, and they go home. Mary stands outside weeping, just overcome with grief. And then Jesus appears in a resurrected body. I'm the resurrection and the life. He appears to her in a resurrected body so glorious and so vastly different than how she had known him before that she doesn't recognize him. And what does he do? Some commentators believe that this is the most tender, intimate sentence ever uttered in scripture, perhaps in the ancient writings of all. He looks her in the eye and he says, Mary, he says her name. Just like he did the day they met. When she was so stuck in darkness. And on this early morning, when she's so lost in sadness and despair, he just does what he so beautifully does. He looks her in the eye and he says, Mary. At once, she knows the voice, right? I know this, I know this feeling. I I, I imagine that resurrection life starts creeping into her soul, into her body and she's like, I'm with him, I'm with him again. I'm with Jesus, the resurrection and the life. And she grabs onto him and he says, not yet. I want you to go and I want you to tell all those in despair, friends, my brothers, that I am alive. And she becomes the first human to testify of the resurrected Lord. Isn't that amazing? (laughs) This story is so intimate and so beautiful, you couldn't make it up. We can go into all the apologetics, which I'm not going to. (laughs) Surprise. (laughs) (laughs) But one thing that's interesting is that, you know, like, if, it, if this was just kind of written or made up, you know who wouldn't be kind of the center of the story? A woman, that's right. Because of the views on women of the day. So what does Jesus do? It's like his one, like, last to the religious authorities. <laughs> He's like, and a woman is going to be the very first person who ever preaches the gospel. Isn't that amazing? Man. So she goes back and she tells the story. Jesus is alive and I'm learning something. Resurrection life is not just about here and now. This story that he called us into, that we have been a part of, we've said, we've seen the lame walk, the blind see, the dead raise. We've seen a community built of every single person, no matter what, where everyone was valued. Death isn't the end of that. This, this story, this thread, amidst all the other narratives of the world and all the structures that we build that will die, this one thread of redemption and resurrection, it never ends. And after time crumbles and falls apart and disintegrates and we're left in a timeless realm, this is the story that will last for ages, for all age. Resurrection, the resurrection of the body. Jesus is the prototype of what's to come for us. It's beautiful. So just know this morning that this is who holds you. This is who sees you. In every hour, in every place that you find yourself, Christ resurrected with you. So we join with the story of the church throughout all the ages of the church to testify, to experience resurrection. And the way we do that, we say, come Holy Spirit and fill me with a resurrection life. Fill me with the knowledge of a deeper, more beautiful story than what I see with my eyes and what I hear with my ears. Draw me into eternity. And we, like Mary, hear the voice of the one who loves us call our name into a new reality, right? I'm gonna close by reading this short poem by Elizabeth Rooney. She talks about Easter. Why don't we stand to read this because it's so good. She says this about her Easter experience. Now is the shining fabric of our day torn open, flung apart, rent wide by love. Never again the tight enclosing sky, the blue bowl of the star illuminated tent. We are laid open to infinity for Easter love has burst his tomb and ours. Now nothing shelters us from God's desire, not flesh, not sky, not stars, not sin. Now glory waits so he can enter in. Now does our dance begin. Happy Easter.